Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys on the third episode following the Jurassic Park franchise. I'm Tom Breifogel, joined with Andy Schmidt and Skid Marr. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, I am the Earth 3 version of Andy Schmidt, therefore I am evil, <laughs> and uh, I will be trashing everything this episode. <laughs> Hi, I'm Skid Marr. You might know me from the Glass Cannon Network of Podcasts, and forget everything I said about my previous favorite dinosaurs. I've now settled on the Ankylosaurus, or as some people call it, the Thinking Man's Dimetrodon. Franchise fan guys. Jurassic World is what is referred to as a soft reboot of the franchise, not wiping away what came before it, but largely using the idea of it as a launchpad for something a bit different, which Jurassic World is in some ways. Does the familiarity of Jurassic Park 1 make this feel more like Jurassic Park, or does the different cast and the new dinosaur hybrid push it away? In other words, does this take on it work for you? Um, yes and no, uh, which I, I imagine is probably what most people would say. But it's, it's probably worth, because I don't think we've discussed in any kind of depth what a soft reboot is. But it is, I mean, you just did a nice job summarizing it. Um, but yeah, it's where you're not throwing out like, oh, those things never happened and, and doing a full like repeat uh, or remake of the original. But you're trying to go back to basics um and trying to recapture you know what worked about the original and it's sort of a remake but really not a remake at the same time so um you know you could you would look at something like the new the latest three episodes in the star wars movies as to that's a soft reboot where basically everything gets kind of reset to like a status quo that we're all very familiar with um at the beginning of the force awakens um, the first of those three, and then um, and then it and it can it can depart from there, but it's sort of it's sort of a reset, right? Um, does this work for me? I am torn uh, because uh, I really like the park aspects. I think we talked about that. Um, the park I think is very exciting and and fun and very cool, and they do a really good job of capturing that amusement park feel to it. Um, the characters are really light and not terribly engaging for me. Um, they're fine, but like if you had wiped out that cast for the sequel, that would have been fine too. I could have done with different characters and that would have been okay with me. Um, I think my biggest gripe, and when I originally saw this, it was that, that moment of like, and I'm out was when they started gene splicing together a monster that wasn't real because for me, and this is just for me. Uh, I go to Jurassic Park movies to see dinosaurs. I don't go to see other monsters. There are plenty of other movies that have monsters that weren't real. But what makes dinosaurs cool is that they were real and they did exist. And sure, they probably didn't look exactly like that or behave like behave like that. But that's what we go. That's what I go to see those movies for. I like seeing the dinosaurs that you know I read about as a kid. That's a big part of the fun, and so when they made up some dinosaur that wasn't real, I, I like just 100% checked out of that movie and really didn't give it much of a chance. Then seeing it on second viewing, I did enjoy it more because I was just kind of over that. Uh, and that certainly happens from time to time where I'll like a, a, a film or something on a second viewing because like I just got over my own biases. Um, and so I enjoy it, but it's, it's a lot more fluffy than the original Jurassic Park. It, it, it doesn't 
capture the verisimilitude and the, the, the characters don't really engage me, nor do they really help convince me that things are real. They're also really, really dumb um, throughout a lot of the movies. So, yeah, I think it was a better, maybe a, you know, it was a bigger, more grandiose effort than any, either of the previous two um, sequels, but I don't know that it, it was a really great reset. I'm also not sure what it sets up, which we'll talk about, I guess, but, um, but yeah, it didn't feel like it had a whole lot of clear direction to me. Yeah. I, it doesn't work for me. I actually, I had trouble. I, I can't remember if I mentioned, but I, I was thinking when we're getting ready to do these episodes, I was like, well, I've seen the the rest of the movies. It's just like, I haven't seen Jurassic World yet. So this is, you know, I'll, I'll watch this for the first time. So I'll be ready to record this episode. And I started watching and I was like, oh no, I have seen this. I completely forgot that I had seen it. And I had a hard time paying attention. <laughs> Honestly, it was because I think for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, first of all, it is a soft reboot, but it's like you're taking out half of the equation. It's the Jurassic Park franchise, and you're just eliminating the park part of that. There's no more park. It's a it's a world. And well, and then well, within the that, previous two sequels did that though, right? Lost World and Jurassic Park Three aren't even on the same island. There's no park at all in those. So I actually found the park aspect of Jurassic World to be a return. That actually did was the part that made me feel like it was more like the original. But, but they're still trying to build a new park, like in the second one. Like, that's the whole reason they go to the island is so they can make a new park on the mainland. So okay, that's fair. It's, and, and, and with that goes, part of the appeal of it for me, like you, is real dinosaurs. And you can at least make an effort to do a little bit of teaching about science through these movies, which the first one did a little bit. Like, it changed a lot of people's ideas about... Uh, old outdated ideas about what dinosaurs were and how they acted and, and everything that were more in line with current thinking uh, from paleontologists and everything. But now since you're just making up crazy monsters, there's no, the, the, there's no room for that anymore. And I just, uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Not good. What you, what did you think, Tom? I went in knowing nothing and having no expectations, except I knew that it was a massive hit. I probably saw it when it was already out in the theater for a month, and I, I had a great time. The, uh, what's it called? The hybrid dinosaur didn't bother me, and Blue, the raptor, didn't bother me in the first one. In Fallen Kingdom, uh, Blue was a, a little bit much, where like she essentially just listens to anything Owen says in that one, right. which is pretty fake but the thing that really i guess the one thing that bothered me in jurassic world is the weaponizing of raptors that character who <laughs> thinks we're going to take them to war that i don't know i i hated that character i hated that actor uh but yeah overall i think it's just a fun movie it's uh which the first one was so much more than that but this time i've seen this movie twice i enjoyed it both times a lot i can't believe you're dissing vincent d'onofrio uh, <laughs> I didn't know his name. <laughs> well, he, 
Yeah, I mean, I have a note on there about the, like the dinosaurs, dinosaurs for war thing. So this is another thing that doesn't really work is that they they're kind of taking their themes and they're being really inconsistent about like the messages that they're sending, which I feel like a lot of big budget movies do. Like they probably go in with the best of intentions. There may have been script rewrites. I don't know in this case if there were script rewrites kind of along the way in terms of like shooting, but like things that you start off with like get kind of lost, you know. And as a as a writer, you know, you sometimes you get notes and then you change things, and before you know it. You're either leaving something in that you should have taken out because it no longer pays off or something like that and you just missed it or whatever. That tends not to happen in a big film like this because you've got a thousand people that'll trim every little line of dialogue. But um, but to me, like the, the whole thing is like, no, you can't take these dinosaurs to war. That's the worst idea. You know, there's a line and I think it's the second one. That's the worst idea in the history of bad ideas, you know, type of sentiment. And then, of course, that's what they do to save the day. Right. You know, then, then it's like, well, I don't know. Is that a bad idea? Because that's what just rescued all these people. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I seem to think that you're saying one thing, but showing us another. So, you know, I always have trouble with that. I find that inconsistency bothers me. Does that bother my my 12 year old? Probably not. Probably not so much. But yeah, I've I, that type of thing bothers me because for me, even if I'm not super conscious, like even if I've got my brain on autopilot and I'm not really thinking about it, I, I think audiences notice that sort of thing and they notice the inconsistency and, and it, that it's, it's not that they're not playing fair with the audience. It's that they're, um, yeah, it just doesn't feel like they have their shit together. <laughs> Where's the sibling? She ate it. You put that in the brochure. Yeah. It's a thing again of people just acting, characters acting stupid in ways that really are only there to justify whatever plot they have cooked up. Like, I mean, the whole idea about using raptors as weapons of war, it seems, it feels like it's probably a nod to the movie Aliens, where, right. you know, that, or an alien too, like if that's the whole thing, like, Wayland Yutani as they're trying to, you know, harvest these things to for military purposes. But it's like using raptors, it's like, I don't know if you get it, like sending raptors to the Persian Gulf or whatever. This seems like an insane plan. Like, that there's got to be more efficient ways to spend money, even for the U.S. military, you would think, would be able to think of more efficient ways to spend their money than training fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> like what, what is it what are you gonna do or just yeah, how about some more guns or one more plane like that's that sounds like more if i can't it's just it blows my mind that they wouldn't would think about this it's so stupid relax you're more likely to die riding on a horse than in a plane no i'm not because i won't get on a horse my chances are zero well well i think the other thing too is for me that's a one movie thing right i can see somebody trying that for for a movie but they really there's elements of that that are in three of them now starting with the lost world that's it's in there like that's what the the oh i forgot about that that's they what the nephew them as weapons? yeah the, the nephew oh, sort yeah of, yeah that's kind of one of his plans and then it's not so much in Jurassic Park 3 that i recall but then it's in the lost world and then it, it's even more so in in not lost world dang it Jurassic World and then Jurassic World Fallen <laughs> Kingdom it's you know super overt again and it's like I don't know like yeah, Aliens kind of suffers from this too they keep 
mining that same thing and there's just not really anywhere to go like it's not a controversial thing to to say wild animals that kill everything in their path shouldn't be used as weapons of war like this is not this is not new and interesting <laughs> we've seen this so many times you know is there a, is there an at least find a new take on it if you're going to explore that but they just they don't i find it for that reason i find that aspect sort of boring and very predictable and very like kind of meh you know been here done that um but yeah i mean it just and the jurassic world at least tried to make you think maybe the raptors won't like be cool with owen at some point you know like they kind of at least tried to to make it seem like they might just kill him mm-hmm. um but then that's gone by the end. But at least they built that tension for a while. In Fallen Kingdom, it's it's not there. I mean, they pay like a little bit of lip service to that idea. But like Blue is like a hundred percent. Like I mean, I, it turns into old school. Like I mean, he might as well just yell, "You're my boy, Blue," and then <laughs> like <clears throat> you know. So it's just uh, yeah. I well, and that's that's one of the things that tends to happen with the soft reboots. I mean, on a certain level, I understand you. You got to make sure you got to put everything into Jurassic World that you can because it has to work in order for there to be anything to revive anything after it and to revive the the franchise. So there's a lot riding on it. You're going to put all your eggs in that basket. I get it. And, you know, they did a good enough job that it that it rekindled the fire for the franchise. But they don't seem to know where they wanted to go from there, which I think is evidenced from, you know, Fallen Fallen Kingdom where that film especially is just a it's it's a bad retread of of some of the worst aspects of the previous movies there's, there's a couple of bits in it i like i don't want to dog it too bad no uh no it's pretty bad it's pretty bad though um <laughs> uh yeah i mean when my 13 year old like we got finished with it and he was like well that was the worst <laughs> and uh <laughs> And he was like, he was like, the people are dumb, the dinosaurs are dumb, the like, <laughs> and then the the people that concoct this like master plan and deceive everyone in the end are remarkably dumb. Like, and I'm like, okay, all right, you, you'll be a film critic later, but because you're you 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 got this movie's number, you know, at 13. But. <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys think it? Uh, do you think that the Jurassic World franchises capture the feeling and tone of the original? No, not not really at all. Brief not brief remotely. moments in Jurassic World, but not no. You know, and I guess that goes back to what we were talking about. We spent a lot of time talking about the awe and the reaction of the characters and all that. Like there was such a sense of awe, and every every film has a moment. Like I think it's just an homage to that to that first scene where they see the dinosaurs for the first time. But every film has a moment after the dinosaurs have killed your friends that then you see them in daylight and and then you're like, oh, they're majestic. And then they go back to killing you. Um, every one of the movies has that moment, I think. Um, but yeah, other than those couple of brief little bits that are kind of more nods, I would say, to the original... None of them, and none of them capture that sense of suspense. I mean, even now, as many times as I've seen Jurassic Park, I still get tense watching that movie. I know those mm-hmm. kids live. 
but I still get tense just because of how well it's executed and how believable the situation seems. As unbelievable as that situation actually is, it seems real in that time. And I, I don't get that sense ever in the Lost World. Like, was there any point where you're like, yeah, Indominus Rex is probably going to win. He's going to take out everyone on this island. <laughs> Did you ever no. think that that was the case? No, because no. the movie doesn't sell it. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think, I don't know. I, part of it is too, I, <laughs> I just, before I forget, I would, because Andy, you mentioned sp- spotting the, the clone, that the, the, the little girl was a clone immediately. I was just like, oh. And the minute she shows up, the minute you spot her in that movie, I had forgotten you'd said that. And they set it up. It's just like, oh, his daughter died in an accident and everything. And like the second you see her, it's just like, oh, she's a clone. Like immediately they telegraph <laughs> that from Samuel Morse telegraphed that from like 150 years ago. Like that's how <laughs> far in advance they did that. It was, uh, yeah, not, not, uh, not good. To be fair, my nine-year-old didn't get it right away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the thing too is I, like I was saying, the first movie part of the the thing that made it the phenomenon that it was this you know alongside the fact that it's a very solid movie very good movie is the b- groundbreaking pioneering tech that it brought onto the scene you are never going to replicate that in this franchise again that that's just in all likelihood not going to happen so you 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 don't have that to lean on. You have to make a more solid movie with better characters, and more executed more solidly on the very basic level. And they're just not accomplishing that in, in really any well, of these sequels. Well, don't you think there, there's this line that Spielberg has managed to like tap dance on on so many, especially of his more like adventure films where he's pulling elements from multiple genre, right? He, he does not confine himself to one genre. But, like, you go back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and there's moments of Raiders of the Lost Ark that are, like, horrifying as a child, right? I mean, I saw that movie when I was, like, eight in the theater. And when, uh, when the guy melts at the altar, like, I freaked out, right? It's not mm-hmm. a lot of screen time, but, like, he... Freak, he'll freak you out. And Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is the reason PG-13 exists. is because it was <laughs> so right down the middle between PG and R that they had to invent a new rating. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I feel like he does that in Jurassic Park. Like, y- you change a couple things. You let that camera linger just a little bit longer here or there. And that's an R movie. Even without yeah. a lot of language. Like, because... Parts of it are terrifying, horrifying, grotesque, whatever. And he doesn't shy away from that even when he's making content that he knows kids are going to see. Because a lot of kids went to see Jurassic Park and were scared because it's scary. But like they wound up loving it too because he also puts in those moments of awe and wonder. And he's so good at capturing the the perspective of children. Um that often, you know, it's I I think his movies are kind of seen almost through the lens of a child and it and it and it makes a lot of that material sort of absorbable by children that in the hands of a another director just wouldn't be like you you would wind up just terrifying kids. And <laughs> and I don't think 
you know, I mean, I think that's just in the hands of, I mean, you know, that's just in the hands of a, of a master. And there's really nobody else that has quite that level of skill at walking that line and still, you know, playing a movie to an audience that can include kids, but fully engaging adults with and intellectual adults too. Like my, my dad's a good example. He doesn't particularly like movies. He thinks most of them are dumb. He's often right. <laughs> and, and, you know, Jurassic Park was one where, like, he's engaged with the whole thing. He's like, that was a really entertaining movie. And he, we can talk about the science and the ethics of it. And he, that's the stuff that he really, like, enjoys. But because he was enjoying that, he wound up being engaged by the stuff that normally he would fall asleep during all those action sequences. So, you know, and I think with Jurassic World, they just go, oh, it's, it's this, right? It's, it's, we terrify people and we have action scenes and let's just make sure it just keeps moving, moving. It's just got to be faster and bigger, faster and bigger. And that just seems like those were the only two buttons they had to push on Jurassic World. And then in Fallen Kingdom, they don't even push those buttons. I don't know what buttons they were pushing. It was, it was just a random... It was like a monkey at a keyboard just pressing random buttons. <laughs> For the Jurassic World sequels, what do they add? And do the additions, do they work in the film's favor or the franchise's favor? What do they add? I think what they, I mean, go, kind of going back to Spielberg's gifts, particular gifts, I think, I can't, it's hard to think of another filmmaker who has managed to hold on to the pers this perspective of childhood as long and as thoroughly as Spielberg has. And he's not afraid to challenge kids the way that you're saying, like by their, they knows that like kids can handle a little bit of genuinely scary stuff and, you know, being able to show it from their point of view helps them through that. And he's also a master of casting child actors and directing child actors. And getting those performances is one of the things that helps a lot, too. I think the whole franchise has veered completely away from kind of aiming anywhere near kids, apart from just having dinosaurs in it. It just, that, that's a, an element that just seems gone, at least since Lost World. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, they really are. They're just kind of veered into just making it a pure monster movie franchise. And, you know, maybe some people prefer that. I don't. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. And I think you, you nailed it with how you were talking about how Spielberg works with kids and finds that perspective and... <laughs> Yeah, you said that better than I did. So I'm not going to try and repeat what you just said. But yeah, that I agree with you. And thank you for, <laughs> for doing a much better job of that than I did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think conceptually there are some things that could have worked and could have been really good and additive. Um, using the genetic uh, splicing and cloning and technology... There's a way to incorporate that more, I think, into sequels. It could have propelled the franchise forward in a different way than they took. That could have been really, really interesting. Um, you know, like like if they had 
made the case that InGen or whatever the company is now, you know, at this point, you know, was making medical advancements based on, you know, things from dinosaurs and that, you know, there were, you know, they were finding, you know, so it was, it was proliferating into society in a way that we were almost like unaware. We're just like, well, that's not so bad. Okay. Well, okay. That's not so Mm -hmm. bad. Like, I think that would have, I'm not sure exactly where that goes because I, I was just thinking about it right this second. But you know, you're even, or That's even something idea, where the you know the the daughter the or a clone clone of the daughter in Fallen Kingdom, that really didn't go anywhere. Like she has her moment where you know she realizes, oh, the dinosaurs and I are the same. Therefore, I will set them free. That's the extent of where that whole subplot goes. Like it doesn't go into the emotions of what the grandfather, <laughs> you know, was going like it. It is not used effectively, right? But no, it could have been there. You know, yeah. You you know you you could have had a storyline where that was starting to proliferate into society and changes things. Now, I'm not sure how that turns you back around into island, you know, an island with uh, with dinosaurs running around. But I think there's a way to incorporate that to to extend the conversation. I think that's one of the things that a lot of and I don't know if it's studios or filmmakers or writers or whatever are afraid to do and 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 it's somewhat unique to things that are franchises or considered franchises they're afraid to push further um you know the fact that DB Wong who I think is great in the first Jurassic Park is seemingly turned into this nihilistic evil villain <laughs> like there's not yeah. a hint of that in the first Jurassic Park but then he is—he is this maniacal, like almost comical, evil villain. I mean, the fact that 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 Wong is a is a really talented actor and can and can take that material and and make it come off not quite as one note as it is, and you know. But like, what is what is that guy about? Is he he just wants to be able to do research? Like, I mean, he's. They turn him into like a Dr. Mengele kind of uh, character where it's just like whatever it takes for me to do my research, that's fine, even if I'm murdering millions or, you know, but like doesn't he realize that the research is t- is like he's tainting his own research? So like none of it's valid anyway. Like it's all it's all very not well thought through and it just feels like it's, yeah. I mean, it's repetitive like he- and not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like he his he's there as almost fan service, but they had some other direction in mind, and so they had to kind of shoehorn him into that. And I, you know, I'm glad he's there, but yeah, his character is unrecognizable. Yeah, I didn't mind him in Jurassic World, but in Fallen Kingdom, yeah, he just totally became the bad guy. I think both of the the world movies have bad antagonists. I, I don't like the military guy in Fallen Kingdom either. It's like eye roll type character it just seems that's so a ted fake. levine character is that buffalo bill i love ted levine i love ted levine but oh wait but <laughs> i i can't yeah that's a terrible character that's such a bad character <laughs> not to sidetrack us but he's amazing in shutter island he's so freaking creepy in that movie but anyway oh yeah sorry oh yeah yeah oh it's all good the one thing that is added in these sequels or this soft reboot is they have the ripped Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger type male lead with Owen, which they never had anything like that in the first three, which 
I, I think he did a great job, but I think it, I think the Chris Pratt was perfect for it. If it would have been someone like the rock who can obviously act like I, I, I wouldn't have liked that. Like if it was just someone else being the, the ripped male lead heartthrob guy. Did you just um, say the rock can't act? No, I said the rock. I didn't say that at all. <laughs> That character, Owen, he seems much more competent than anyone in any of the other movies uh, dealing with dinosaurs. Yeah, and so uh, I love uh, a character that that is only awesome at things. I find that really fun. Like, he's right about <laughs> everything, and to the point where I find that annoying. Like, yeah, I don't mind a character that, that has <laughs> skills and uses, but, like... That, like that he knows everything and there's a case to be made that like if he actually like read up on all the details and the reports from the first ones then okay he won't get killed the same way the hunter guy in the first jurassic park did because he'll know that raptors are pack hunters and they're going to kill him from the sides like i get that but he's he's amazing in every conceivable way right he's the only one that can <laughs> communicate with the yeah. dinosaurs he can outrun dinosaurs. He's the only one that can, he can repair any car, no matter how long it's been dead. He can. Yeah, he's a motorcycle he's guy. He's a motorcycle guy. Yeah, he's can, just. Ride a motorcycle. He's a man's 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 man. You know, like, I mean, it's just like. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's almost like a Mary Sue. He's basically, he's practically a Mary Sue in that regard. No, that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. He he is. He's the one that teaches everybody a lesson. And, and the only reason he's not. A hundred percent insufferable is because Chris Pratt's pretty funny. Like, right? <laughs> I agree. I wasn't saying I liked the character. I was saying I liked. He's the only person who could have pulled that character. No, 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 no. Off. Yeah, yeah, that I okay. that I agree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would I would agree with that. Like, he does pull the character off, which I think is a credit to him, not to to the character on the page, you know, of the of the screenplay, but. But yeah, I mean, I find I find the fact that you've got now got like you know an action hero in that role. That's not who you want in that role. Like, I don't want humans who can do battle with dinosaurs. That's dumb. I want <laughs> humans that understand dinosaurs and can tell me why they're battling each other, or or get eaten by them. Yeah. Are there any characters that you guys like? Do any of them compel you in the final two that we've seen? Uh, I kind of liked the kids actually from jurassic world i don't think that you know they're not really fleshed out like but i think there was i if they had only brought back one character i think i would have them wanted them to bring back that younger the younger kid who was sort of an introvert and sort of like i don't know that kid seemed interesting he seemed like he had a soul yeah i actually was you know watching it i kind of wanted um not because I not because I dislike the character, but but just because this would have been different, I think it would have been neat. Is I kind of wanted Owen to die about halfway through um, Jurassic World, and for the French uh, black guy to kind of take over from there. I think that would have been really interesting and potentially cool because I liked him. Mm -hmm. I liked him too. Um, and it's always nice when you have a character that you don't expect to step up, you know, or doesn't step up because they don't have to. And then they're forced to step up. That that ups the ante uh, in a way that I think would have been kind of cool. Uh, I, I kind of like Nick Miller's character, the nerdy, the fanboy tech guy from Jurassic World. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, so, oh, it's a guy with his vintage T-shirt and everything like that. That was that was kind of cool. And he's he's 
he's good and he was great yeah. in, in that he, as he that. will be back in the um, in dominion just so you know yeah I, I like that character too um i also like uh, so i i like the new ceo that they killed for no reason um i thought that was interesting to have a ceo that that like seemed to have a heart or you know but again like it just doesn't go anywhere like you it seemed like there's a lot of setup that they don't pay off and there's something to be said and i know skid and i have talked about this before right there's something to be said for like we talked about this with game of thrones um there's something to be said for setting up a character arc so you you kind of it's it's familiar you know where it's going and you start rooting for that character and then you off them before they can complete the thing they're supposed to and that it it feels like you you have unfinished business right it feels like the character has unfinished business as opposed to they complete their character arc and then they die because they don't serve any more purpose in the story but if they're still in the middle of pursuing that thing and you're rooting for them and then they get killed before they there's any kind of closure that feels more tragic to us and it's harder for us as an audience to to deal with which is a part of what George R.R. R. Martin did so incredibly well with Jam- with Game of Thrones was he made you really believe like this is an important character they're going to do this thing they have to do the thing and it'll be hard for them to do it and oh they're dead and they did not do that thing and now there are problems and you guys feel awful and that can work really really well if you understand and are and are playing the other storylines and subplots and character arcs properly but th- these movies feel like they just set up stuff and like forgot to pay it off or didn't know how to pay it off. Um, so they fall flat. Like it, when the CEO dies, I was just kind of like, Oh, that's weird that they killed him there. Cause it seemed like you could have done a lot of cooler <laughs> yeah. things with him. And that could have been more interesting than now there's no CEO. And from a, from a writing standpoint, they kill him there. Like I get it. Like, they kill him there because that allows Vincent D'Onofrio's military guy to come in and sort of take control, right? But there's an, you could still have done that. You, you wouldn't have needed to kill that guy off. But I, so, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I think the writers are incompetent. From a craft standpoint, I understand the decisions that they're, that they're making, and there's a rational basis for them, and they're not wholly wrong. They're just, like, it just doesn't all come together and that's one where like i'd i'd be interested to read that script right to read that screenplay and see how it plays you know on the written page versus how it's executed because once you take it off the written page and you t- you've got performances you've got directors you've got cinematography you've got the music and they're all telling you things and when they work together obviously it all comes together and works really well but sometimes they don't all fit together the way that you know, it's intended. So that, so there, there are things like that where I think it's not that I think anybody involved in Jurassic world was incompetent. I think maybe there was somebody involved in fallen kingdom that was incompetent, but Jurassic world is not made by incompetent people. It's made by smart people that, that know what they're doing. It just doesn't always click. And that's, and you know, maybe Spielberg is the exception that, you know, it doesn't always click on every film. Right. And sometimes you you just you get it to the point where it's like this is as good as we can make it, and or this is as good as we can make it in the time allowed. It's more often that you know I, I would like to tweak this further, but I can't because I have a release date. Yeah, that first park was legit. Well, speaking of Fallen Kingdom, do you think it capitalizes on the promise of Jurassic World? 
it's a new second film. Does it function better than The Lost World did in comparison to it being the sequel to Jurassic Park? Or do you think it falls in the same traps? I think it finds whole new traps to fall into. <laughs> it, I mean, obviously, it has a weaker setup than Lost World did. But I think I enjoy watching Jurassic World more than Fallen Kingdom. I think I, think I can say that. And, yeah, I think that they just... Well, I mean, in a way, they they did kind of fail in some similar ways because from my perspective, they failed to evolve the characters from the preceding movie in a realistic and interesting way. Like we were talking about Bryce Dallas Howard's character just shifts, turns on a dime for no reason. Just she she turns into a completely different person and they never really explain it or explore it because that could be that could be that could be the focus of your movie that could be the crux of your movie is that 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 evolution there but do you do you think it's not explained or justified i mean isn't that the isn't that supposedly the character arc she went through in the first lost world she's the corporate jerk and then she learns that the animals are real and that people are actually real and they're dying and then she learns to care for her nephews and then at the end of it she's like oh this is a terrible you know this is a terrible thing i don't feel like that movie gets her to the point where we pick her up in in fallen kingdom i 100 percent agree with you but i mean i i would say like i i see how they got there yeah i mean i i see what they're aiming for it's just I, i never believe it right I never believe that evolution. I, I completely see like what they're aiming at and the steps that they're trying to take, but it just doesn't work for me at all. It's just, it's it's so extreme, and there's no vestiges. Like you were saying, there's no vestiges of her previous previous life in her new character at all. She's, she's she might as well have just put a completely new person in that. So, movie. but let me throw this out there because I was thinking about this after we recorded the last one where we were talking about this. I started thinking about, you know, we've talked about the Terminator franchise. And when you see Sarah Connor in Terminator 2, in some ways, it's not that dissimilar to the amount of change we've seen uh, in Claire's character from Lost World to Fallen Kingdom. Like, when you see Sarah Connor in the first one, she's a waitress. She's a waitress who's thrown in the middle of a thing and it changes her. But like you don't get the sense at the end of that first one that she's going to turn into the world's biggest badass. And then when we meet her in Terminator 2, she is a completely different character. She physically she's 100% different. You know, her attitude is 100% different. Like there she's in some ways not recognizable yeah. at all, and yet it works there for a number of reasons that it does not work in Lost World, but I really had to think about that. I was like, wait a second, didn't we spend part of talking about Terminator about how great that was at how drastic a change her character went through between the films? And then here I am sitting here going like, yeah, but they changed her character too much. It's, it's this drastic change. It's, it's, and here it's a negative. And it made me really think about why does it work from Terminator to Terminator 2? And why does it not work as well from Lost World to Fallen Kingdom? And Part of it is the literal amount of time between the sequels, right? I mean, it was like 1985 to 1991. That's true. But also, the 
every bit of the change that we see in Sarah Connor when we meet her in Terminator 2 plays out and we understand from from the film itself in Terminator 2. Not because we watched Terminator 1. I mean, that helps, obviously. But in Terminator 2, all of that character's evolution is actually explored in that movie. Right. Right? You know, through her relationship or non-relationship with her son, through the way her son talks about her, like, oh, she's crazy. Right? You know, like... Yeah. All of that plays out and plays out in fairly realistic ways, like how John Connor is embarrassed about his mother. Like he's got, he has so many different emotions about his mother. Most of them not particularly good or healthy. Um, and all of that plays into what the story is. Whereas none of that is explored in fallen kingdom. She just is who she is now. No one ever mentions like, Hey, weren't you a heartless jerk that, that created (laughs) a fake dinosaur that killed everyone? Like also, why is she not in prison? At the start of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, I'd say we in uh, Western civilization have a strong and story tradition of not imprisoning uh, high-powered corporate executives who deserve to be imprisoned. So, oh, yeah, that is something we don't we, we don't do. Right? Yeah, that's not so unbelievable. All right, fair, fair <laughs> point. Really I give that. that one. A, I give that one a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah Connor carries her battle wounds, carries her scars and not physical, more mental because she went through some traumatic stuff. And I feel like not just Claire, but pretty much everyone is not as traumatized as they really would be. I think including Dr. Grant, when we see him again, I don't, do we Mm. see anyone who's actually traumatized and actually a different person? And like, I've seen some stuff, man, like, and just totally different because they've experienced something no one else on earth really has. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I, that would make a, a world of difference in these movies. It would. And I think Laura Dern actually comes the closest. He actually, Ian Malcolm mm-hmm. does too. Like in the second one, he he doesn't want to go back. And I don't really buy exactly how he gets back there. We've talked about that. But but he doesn't want to go back. He came back. He fought in public and lost. And like they make that clear. Yeah. And like he's a different guy. Like he's kind of like, he's not like down on his luck like like they do with with john McLean and Die Hard three where like now he's an alcoholic and he can't hold down a job but like he's down on his luck and that like he's not dr ian malcolm this like famous guy anymore he's dr ian malcolm kind of the joke right there's that there's that sequence with the annoying guy on the subway it's like you're the guy rah, right <laughs> like that's what his life has been mm-hmm. reduced to <laughs> right. that's what Injun did to him and so he's got battle scars mm-hmm. from the actual experience of fighting dinosaurs and he's got further scars from battling corporate America. Right. Um, so I think there's, I think that, that they do a pretty good job with him. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely like to see that. So had lost world or fallen, gosh, what are why do they all have the same name? Fallen kingdom. (laughs) Had fallen kingdom (laughs) been about Claire trying to, make amends essentially right or find some form yes. of redemption yeah. i think that could have been really compelling and could have felt personal and maybe i would have cared about her but yeah but it isn't like nobody brings any of that up no one no one who's working with her is like i mean it's cool you're here and all but like the whole reason this this volunteer organization exists is because of you 
is why this organization is necessary. Like, I just don't, I just don't know why those opportunities were missed. And, and I wonder too, cause I have seen this happen. I've been in the corporate room where you're like, well, you don't want to draw attention to that because that makes it seem like dinosaurs are bad and we want kids to buy more dinosaur toys or, you know, you know, I've been there for those, <laughs> for those conversations. And like, I could see that being argued out of the script. Like, well, like you don't want to make it about her finding redemption. Like we don't want people to think of her as a killer. Right. Or, you know, or as a, somebody that hurts animals. Right. We don't want them to think that she can be that. We just don't want people to think that about her. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, that's one of the things that you're talking bringing up James Cameron, but that's one of the things that he does so well that he has done so well in his movies in Terminator and in aliens is representing that trauma and watching someone go through the process of facing it and coming to some kind of resolution about it. And, and yeah, I, I totally buy that. Like they're like, you know, we got to sell uh, souvenir cups. Like we can't, we can't have PTSD in this movie but it's the franchise suffers for it. I, you know, from a movie watcher's perspective, from my perspective. Well, yeah, you just mentioned PTSD, which made me think immediately of Iron Man three, which is, uh, you know, a lot of people hate Iron Man three, and I get it. That's a conversation huge for hit. another huge fan fan favorite for for it's a conversation for another time. But I really like that he's dealing with PTSD. The man fought aliens coming in from outer space. Uh, and he has some PTSD about it. And that's yeah. like the only yeah. movie in the cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe where they actually deal with something real. You know, the whole movie isn't about that. It's not like born on the 4th of July, but at least it's there. It's something to cause your brain to stir and, and, and consider something that has an actual impact on people's lives. Anyway, I agree with you. That's all I'm saying. I love you, Skid. <laughs> okay <laughs> nailed it Franchise fan guys. yeah i felt like if we're comparing fallen kingdom and lost world just neither were fun for me at all both were like kind of depressing just kind of like okay like i was waiting for them to be over and i hate when they worry about being clever more than they worry about being good I feel mm -hmm. like that's what Fallen Kingdom was, but it, it wasn't clever at all. Like the clone secret was uh, pretty easy to spot out. I thought. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me ask this question: When it comes to the the fake dinosaurs they create, why is it okay to kill those fake dinosaurs, but none of the other fake dinosaurs? <laughs> like, interesting, right? Like, interesting. like at the end of Fallen Kingdom they're ready to kill that guy. Like nobody's like thinking like we should keep that thing alive. I mean, none of our heroes are right. So they kill it. Yeah. But then the whole point of the movie, and this is what I, you know, going back to being consistent about your characters, but ostensibly their whole mission is to save as many, as many animals, I would say as possible. I guess if it's to save, like they they make the this is just splitting hairs, right? They're making the case that just because they're cloned and they were extinct and they're man made, they have a right to live, except for the one that never existed and we made. It doesn't have a right to live. Yeah, it's almost like a hipster attitude towards preservation. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, oh no no, that's not that's not an original dinosaur. No no no, that's that we don't we don't care about. Yeah, right. Like I mean, I see Ian Malcolm going, no 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 no. 
nature did make that exist nature never made that exist <laughs> you know like he just like he just yeah. shifts his arguments slightly to the right you know of where it was in the yeah it's just always just moving moving the goalposts. right i mean i can see from the audience perspective it's like i you can kill that dinosaur because it displays real sentient malice and in a non-animal like non not just like animal instincts like that was one of the things honestly that bothered me the most about the rest of these movies was watching just regular dinosaurs in danger especially oh god like in in jurassic world where the pteranodons are grabbing the little triceratops in the in the riding zoo in the the petting zoo they're like picking them up and they're squealing i'm like that was like oh man that hurt me like a sarah mclaughlin uh tv ad (laughs) Uh, oh like Like, that's a deep pain right (laughs) god it hurt me so <laughs> that was that was the hardest thing for me to watch in the whole the whole thing. But but uh, but yeah, that that is interesting. Well, that's it for this episode of Franchise Fan Guys. The next episode will be the final installment for Jurassic Park, where we talk about what we would do to continue the series. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys, Jurassic Park episode three of four. Please write a review and give a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Breifogel and John Harvey. To connect, visit FranchiseFanGuys.com, at FranchiseFanGuys on Instagram, and at GuysFranchise on Twitter. Bye. Adios.